My name is Amy Abraham, and I am the host of the Bliss Podcast. Each episode will feature ways to find wellness and happiness in your life. We will explore different trends and approaches that support a positive well-being of the whole person, mind, body, and soul. With each interesting topic, I will be interviewing experts within that field as well as adding my own personal experiences. If you're looking for more happiness in your life, Bliss is the podcast for you. Hello, listeners. Today we are going to talk about how animals and pets bring us joy to our lives. First, you will hear my interview with Chris Patella, owner and operator of Animal Assist Therapy Services in Milford, Connecticut. Chris shares how her animals and other recreational services support our local community. Next, I interviewed my brother's fiance, Jesse, about their experience getting a puppy a year and a half ago. I'm not a pet owner and never was, but I chose this topic because I see many people who adore their pets and I see how much joy and relaxation they bring to their lives. I wanted to share this happiness with my listeners. If you're looking for an alternative therapy for yourself or a loved one, or on the fence about getting a pet, then this is the episode for you. Enjoy! Today, I have the wonderful opportunity to learn more about how animal therapy supports the wellness of people. I am sitting here with Chris Patella, owner and director of Animal Assisted Therapy Services in Milford, Connecticut. I'm here to discover how her work and her animals' work supports our community. Welcome to the Bliss Podcast, Clarissa. Hello, how are you? Good. I'm Good. so happy to have you here today. We're happy to be here. And, and who are we here with? We're here with Winnie. We call her Winnie the Pooch. Oh. <laughs> Winnie is a five-year-old poodle, dachshund, maybe Yorkie mix. Okay. Um, she is a rescue. We've had her for about three years, four years. And uh, she came from Houston, Texas mm-hmm. on death row twice. Oh. And uh, she came from a wonderful organization called Shaggy Dog Rescue. Wow. She's one of our great little therapy dogs. She's cute. She, she, sits, cute. she sits right there on you. <laughs> she, she looks does. so comfortable. <laughs> so before we dive into your work, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your life or how did you um, get started with this passion with animals? Sure. Um, well, I've always had animals. I've always had multiple dogs uh, ever since the time I practically was growing up. And... Um, my background was actually teaching music. I taught music K through eight. Uh, I also did early childhood many years ago, so I've done the whole gamut of from babies all the way up. Um, but most recently, I was in Bridgeport, and I was in a very tough school in Bridgeport. And this is back in about 2000, 2003. Mm-hmm. My very first little therapy dog was a little miniature dachshund, whose name was Gretel. <laughs> and um, my school was, was, as many schools in Bridgeport, was really having struggling readers. And I had read about a program that children read aloud to a dog who's a non-judgmental listener and it improves their reading skills. So I approached my principal about starting the program after school and she immediately jumped on the idea. But it meant I had to bring Gretel with me to school <laughs> in order to do the after school program. So. I brought her every Thursday and I always felt like the Pied Piper when I'd pull in the parking lot because I would be surrounded by 250 kids oh, and yeah. staff 
who just could not wait for Thursdays because they all began to know that that was the day Gretel came to visit. Oh. So what I noticed is that these kids who were really struggling just for survival, they really had no interest in learning anything about music originally. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was very difficult to build any kind of relationship with them. Mm-hmm. But Gretel would be in my classroom all day with me, and this little dog would wander around just giving love and making everybody smile and feel better. And the kids were funny because the days that she was there, they almost self-disciplined themselves. Mm-hmm. Like if anybody started wanted to start a fight, they were like, no, 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 don't you do can't. that. Gretel's there. Gretel's there. <laughs> you have to behave. Oh, my gosh. So... What I began to notice is that the climate, the school climate, was so drastically different. The day she was there, we didn't have fights. We didn't have kids in the office. Staff was actually smiling. Their morale improved. Wow. And best was that over time, I really developed a great relationship with my students. Mm -hmm. And so we became very close. Uh, to the point where several years later I ran into some of them all growing up and they were like, oh, Mrs. Patella, you remember Gretel? I loved Gretel. So it really touched them very deeply. Um, So about that same time, 2005, we rescued three lab puppies from Hurricane Katrina. Mm. And lab puppies who can be very rambunctious, especially five-month-old lab puppies, Mm. I finally had to get into training because they were just, they needed some kind of mental stimulation. So what I found is I really loved training them and they were very easy, they were very receptive to training. So I said, well, here's three more therapy dogs. So we got each of them registered as therapy dogs. But I so fell in love with the training, I decided to pursue my own certification as a trainer. So I got my certification through Animal Behavior College, which is out in California, mm-hmm. uh, after about a year's work. And um, simultaneously, I had a horse. So I also decided to pursue therapeutic riding and got my certification through PATH International as a therapeutic riding instructor. And then I was kind of like, okay, <laughs> I have horses, I have dogs, now what do I do with that? And my thought was to retire from Bridgeport in 2010 and 2009 and uh, pursue a master's in social work because I had seen the power of what these dogs could do Mm -hmm. and the horses and I thought social work would be a good outlet and then I discovered recreational therapy Mm -hmm. and I fell in love with the field because what's great about rec therapy is yes we use the animals and we still do in our practice but we also can use just about any other leisure activity that you could think of. Mm. So sometimes we take clients hiking. We might use the dogs as a motivator. Right. Some of the, the kids that we see from inner city environments have never even been in the woods. Right. So we use nature. We use cooking. We have a garden here during the summer. And we pick from our garden. And we talk about healthy eating and good recipes. And we make things and cook things and enjoy them. Wow. Um, we, we visit community. We introduce volunteering to them. So we, we have a, now we've actually formed a club 
of really meant to be non-therapeutic, <laughs> um, where we have kids who are roughly 8 to about 14 years old, mm -hmm. and they come and they help us care for the animals on a weekly basis, and every eight, six, eight weeks, we take them out into the community, like we were just last Friday at Carriage Green in Milford doing a holiday visit with the animals. Wow. So um, there are many, many different uses of recreational therapy. Um, we've done everything from needlework to jigsaw puzzles to artwork to crafts, uh, you name it. You know, yeah. we kind of dig and find what it is that our clients particularly love, and it's very often done within the presence of the dogs. But it's um, or the bunnies or the guinea pigs now. Yeah. But um, it, you know, it really does explore those leisure activities and bring balance back to their life. So that's how it came to be. I got my mm -hmm. master's of recreational therapy. We formed a nonprofit organization. Um, so we've been around now almost 10 years. And our clients range in age from two-year-olds. We've done pre-K all the way up through our oldest seniors are 102. Wow. Um, many of them have outlived children, grandchildren. They have no visitors or their, their family lives in California, wow. and so we will be the ones who come in to, to visit them on a regular basis and bring our little friends. <laughs> so, Aww. yeah, that's so that's great. what we do. That's amazing. Um, so you did speak to how uh, animal-assisted therapy came alive, um, but what is it like day-to-day -day that you guys do for your clients? Do you visit their homes? Do people come to the Both. office? Both. Okay. Both. Um, we go to schools, okay. so we very often go to visit schools, which are sometimes more of an educational program. Mm -hmm. um, we do ACES High School North out in Hamden on a regular basis. Sometimes we bring the dogs. Last Monday we brought one of the guinea pigs, who at first they were afraid of, <laughs> um, and then they fell in love with her because she's got quite the personality, <laughs> and they really loved cuddling and holding her. But we teach them about how we care for the animals. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I remember one of our clients who started with us probably about four years ago. This is one of our private clients who came through Department of Children and Families. And she came in, and we were introducing how we train the dogs. And so we were showing her, and we said to her, how do you think we, we asked the dog to sit? And she said, hit them. And oh, we goodness. said... No, <laughs> not quite. Um, so we do talk quite often about how we train the dogs. We use only positive reinforcement. We don't push. We don't shove. We don't jerk on their leashes. We don't mm -hmm. pull on their necks. Right. Um, we use you know positive reinforcement treats or praise or pets or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But how we actually get them to do what we want them to do, and at the same time we really build. A very positive emotional relationship with the dogs and that translates then as they learn how to do this into a positive emotional relationship between the dogs and our clients um, so schools it can be very educational mm -hmm. um, what we feed our dogs right. our dogs are very um, very highly nutritious programs we, we generally don't do an awful lot of kibble with them that has a lot of fillers but we really work more with what dogs were meant to eat, mm -hmm. which is really pure meat, no organ meats. Um, we talk about veterinary care, we talk about dental care, how we brush their teeth, how we make their toothpaste, what's in the toothpaste, mm. why we use that. Um, we make treats in our kitchen for the dogs. You know, why are pumpkin bacon treats better for them than your 
typical dog biscuits, right, you know. Right, yeah. So, So we do a lot of that kind of education. We work a lot, as I was just mentioning, with the Department of Children and Families. We've had a lot of teenagers who have been tossed, really, from foster home to foster home their entire life. Yeah. They really have been in talk therapy most of their life. And by the time they get to 15, 16, 17 years old, they don't want anything to do with talk therapy anymore. Yep. So they, they become very shut down. And so what we do is we work with the animals. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't look like therapy. It doesn't feel like therapy. But again, through the animals, we build that relationship with them mm -hmm. so that as the animals are present, as they get to know us, as we get to know them, we can kind of come in through the back door and do the therapeutic right. work with them. Give them what they need. Right. Yeah. It's a nice connection, connecting point for them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a bridge right. you know, between us and them. Um, the animals just serve as that conduit that really makes it work. Mm -hmm. um, so we've worked with physical disabilities, um, especially with the horses. The horses yeah. are incredibly powerful for children, for example, with cerebral palsy. Mm. They have very little trunk control and core strength, and the horses to provide that balance and the motion, the walking motion of a horse is the same as a human. Okay. So they experience that feeling of walking and what it takes in core strength to be able to do that. So we've seen some remarkable improvements um, physically. Uh, we work with autism kids on the on the spectrum, adults on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, again, the horses provide a tremendous sensory experience. It's again very back to nature. Mm -hmm. They have the opportunity to be outside. We do some trail riding with them, take them out on the trail. Um, language, mm -hmm. asking the horse to walk on, and then actually getting an immediate response right. when they walk on is important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Self-esteem for those kids, those teens, mm -hmm. you know, to get on a 1,200-pound animal Ugh. and be scared out of your mind and then find that you can build a relationship and a partnership with that animal right. so that when you ask them to do something, they will willingly do it. Mm -hmm. You know, the self-esteem is just incredible. How, so, do, um, how do the clients find you? Like, what, who would be, like, a typical client? A lot of times it's through agencies. Okay. Um, there are certainly many agencies within the state. <clears throat> we work with some folks, uh, some of our adults come from group homes where they love animals but they can't have a dog themselves. So the agency will have them come to us on a weekly basis so that they have the opportunity to interact with the animal without having to own one. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so agencies, Department of Children and Families, Department of Developmental Services, schools, mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes we get direct referrals from other uh, therapists, other social workers, right. who feel that their client would benefit more with the interactions of an animal, either in lieu of their services or in addition to their mm -hmm. services. So that would be so, like a private client? So that would be like private clients okay. who just come directly, direct pay. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. So... Um, you know, they, they just, I don't know, they just come from all different places. Um, sometimes we have grants, like right now, we're starting a veterans equine program in January. Uh, we have a grant that will last a year, 
in conjunction with Southern Connecticut State University mm -hmm. and their recreational therapy department and the VA in West Haven and Rocky Hill. That's great. And they're supporting a program, uh, really more of an equine assisted learning program. They may or may not choose to ride. They don't have to ride if they don't want to. Mm -hmm. But if they just want to be around the animals, learn how to care for them, right. learn some basic skills and stable management, mm -hmm. and that program is open to them. And that's at no charge because of the... the grant that we have. That's wonderful. So, yeah. Wow. So how do you acquire your animals? Where, where do they come from? <laughs> <laughs> all of our animals, for the most part, I'm trying to think if we have anybody who's not a rescue. Now all of our animals are rescues. Um, they have all come from different rescue organizations, like little Winnie here, so I'm asleep in my lap, oh. came from Shaggy Dog Rescue, which is out of Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, our labs, of which our, our last two, we lost one last year, our last two who came from Hurricane Katrina, That's right. came from Labs for Rescue. They're now 14. Oh. Um, we have a golden retriever who was donated to us by a family. Uh, whose husband passed away very suddenly, and the wife couldn't keep him. He was young. He was only a year old. Very rambunctious. Oh. And she donated him to us um, to actually be trained as a service dog for veterans. And mm -hmm. we found, as we began to work with him, that when he first came to us, he had not had a lot of exposure to the outside world, and he was very hesitant. So we felt that innately... He was not going to make a good service dog, mm -hmm. um, but we started taking him out on therapeutic visits, and over time, and introducing him to the world, he has become a great therapy dog, Aww. so we've ended up keeping him. So he's kind of a rescue. Oh, that's um, and then we have two other little black lab mixes, I don't know, something something, beagle, <laughs> cattle dog mixes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're now about five, and they came to us from another organization. They were rescued at the bottom of a coal mine in West Virginia. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they're rescues. Same thing with our, our bunnies. They came mm -hmm. from Hopalong Hollow, which is a rescue organization for bunnies, and our guinea pigs came from another organization, I can't think of the name of it right now, mm -hmm. but another organization that... Um, provides rescue services for guinea pigs. And um, where where do you take care of the animals? It's a lot of animals you guys have. <laughs> it is. We have, I know you have seven dogs all total. Yeah. Wow. Three guinea pigs, two bunnies. Um, so, yeah. So I know you said that some of your clients come in and help take yes, care of them. But, yeah. of course. Our club on Friday comes yeah. in. And they help, you know, take care of them, and they clean out the habitats, and they chop up the veggies for the week for the, yeah. the bunnies and the guinea pigs. So two of them, two of the bunnies, and um, one of the guinea pigs lives with my daughter mm -hmm. and four of the dogs. And I have three of the dogs <laughs> and two of the guinea pigs that live with me. Wow. So, yeah, so we kind of split them up. But when we're all together for the holidays, it's quite oh. a party. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> that's got to be a lot of fun. So would you say that you that each of your one of your animals has a specific need to fill for a certain type of patient? Um, some of them are very versatile that they can go, you know, from different settings, different clients, different age groups, like our golden retriever, mm -hmm. um, Chewy. You know, I can bring him to work with a two-year-old. I can bring him to work with a 30-year-old. I can bring him to work mm -hmm. at an assisted living facility with a 100-year-old. And he just gets it. He just, right. he moves easily from each situation to another. Um, one of our, our little black labs, 
doesn't particularly like schools. She gets mm-hmm. very nervous where there's too much commotion. The PA system, you yeah. know, kind of frightens her a bit. So she doesn't work particularly well in schools. Mm-hmm. But with our private clients, where she comes here to our offices and she knows where she is and she knows what her job is, mm-hmm. she's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, little Winnie here is pretty good in schools, especially with the older kids. But her favorite to work with are the elderly. She absolutely loves going to senior centers and working with the elderly. I think that they're just quiet, you know, yeah. and a little. They move a little slower. They don't have the impulsivity that kids have. Right, right. Um, and she will work with like high schoolers and middle schools pretty well. Mm-hmm. But um, I took her, made the mistake of taking her <laughs> once because I thought she's so cute, as you right, can see. Yeah. I thought she'd be great with like kindergarten. Mm-mm. Not so. Yeah. It, it really frightened her. And when you say work with people, what is that? What does that look like? Well, and we really kind of let the dogs take the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, if they were working here in our center, um, we sometimes do what's called dog agility, which is kind of like gymnastics for dogs. Oh. Um, so we have dog agility equipment, and in our training room, we will teach the kids how to lead a dog through an agility course. So to the outside, it looks like they're playing okay. with the dog. Mm-hmm. But what they're really working on is agility is done off-leash. So they have to have a pretty good interactive relationship mm-hmm. to be able to manage and lead that dog through a course off-leash wow. without them disengaging or right. you know, walking away. Um, if we're working on training, Again, it might look like a training class, mm-hmm. even though these dogs are all highly trained. Yeah, yeah. It looks to the outside like a training class, but what the, the clients are working on are communication skills, mm-hmm. um, learning about positive reinforcement, right. you know, learning about body language. How does their body language tell a dog what to do, mm-hmm. and what's the dog's body language answering back? Because right. not all communication has to be verbal. Right. And I know I shared with you earlier that um, I didn't grow up with animals, and I'm trying to imagine, you know, what what that would be like, you know, interacting with an animal. And I mean, of course, I've interacted with animals, but not in that sense. And I'm trying to put myself in the in those shoes, thinking, you know, what what would it feel like to have that connection? And I think it's a connection is what people are seeking. Yes, exactly. They want to be able to have a relationship with with a human or a dog, anybody, people want to be connected to something. And a dog is non-judgmental. Right. You know, so... Loyal best friend. Exactly. So, you know, if somebody has anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. or some of the teens, the middle schoolers who have been bullied or they have, um, you know, self-esteem issues for their looks or the Mm -hmm. way they speak, you know, the dog doesn't care. (laughs) Yeah. So the guinea pig doesn't care. The bunnies don't care. So they can get that unconditional love, Mm -hmm. which is so important. And then some of our clients, like I mentioned, um, uh, one of the gentlemen we've worked with a long time, probably almost seven years now, who lives in a group home. And he absolutely loves dogs. Loves, (laughs) loves, loves them. But he will never be able to have one. Mm -hmm. But every week, religiously, he comes. And all he wants to do is hold the dog. He wants Winnie to jump in his lap. He wants to hold her. Or one of our other uh, dogs, one of our seniors, um, who he's really almost grown up with the last seven years, you know, he just loves her so much. He just wants to make treats for her Mm. so he can share the treats. Right. You know, or if we're cooking human food that night, right. can I can I give her a small bowl? 
yeah, of course you can. Yeah. You know, so um, that that sense of being able to give, mm -hmm. you know, for somebody who doesn't normally have that opportunity, yeah, is is very powerful too. Thinking about your clients, is there anyone who pops into your mind who you would say would be a huge success success story? I can think of a couple. Um, again, I'm thinking in particular of one young man, almost middle-aged, um, who is living in a group home. And when they first contacted me, it was the Department of Developmental Services that contacted me. Just to give a, a quick background, this gentleman was removed from his home as a three-year-old, um, grew up in foster homes, very angry by the time he got to be a teenager. Mm -hmm. So angry he got into an altercation at school, police were called, got into an altercation with the police, he ended up being hospitalized and really more or less sedated for several years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was really horrible. The Department of Developmental Services, kudos to them, got wind of him after he graduated out of the 18-year-old bracket from the Children and Families Department and they decided to take him off all medication and start from scratch. So they started from scratch and at that time, one of the things that they decided to do was have a volunteer who uh, come in because he indicated he loved animals. And they had a volunteer who came in once a week and brought their dog. And they collected data on this. And so they found that when the dog came just once a week for an hour, that his behavior was excellent. Mm. Now volunteers come and go, so the volunteer left. Right. And boom, his behavior went right back down again. So they discovered us, and they said, we really want you to, to not go away. Right. We, we want you to you know, stay and he do needs, this. He, needs we, he really needs this. Yeah. So once again, they started collecting data, and he has been straight line ever since we've been seeing him. Oh my gosh. Um, to a point where now he's actively involved in Special Olympics, he's involved in different kinds of sports. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, he now goes for home visits to some of his extended family that will accept him to come in for holidays. Wow. And a lot of it, I really do feel, was because we were able to stabilize the behavior through the animals. That's amazing. So I think he's a really good example. Mm -hmm. I think another one that comes to mind immediately is we have a young girl, she's about 12, 13 now, and she was removed from her home, again by Department of Children and Families. Mm -hmm. And over the course of time that we've seen her, she's come and gone from several foster homes that did not work out. But through our work with her, she finally settled into a foster home that has really worked out quite well for her. And ultimately, her parental rights were terminated, her mother's parental rights and father's rights were terminated, and has come to a point now where she has stabilized so beautifully with the work of the animals and the work that we've done with her that her current foster mother is planning to adopt her. Oh my gosh. So she's actually going to be moving into a permanent setting after years and years of turmoil. Oh, that's wonderful. So, yeah, and, and again, it's really been because of that relationship mm -hmm. that she developed with the animals. So, um, I mean, I could oh, go on with many other stories, yeah, no, that's but those beautiful. two really stand out. 
So if a listener would like to learn more about your services, how can they find you? Or if somebody sure. wants to volunteer or help you? Sure. Um, we don't use too many volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, as a general rule, they, we did used to with our equine program. We needed many volunteers. Um, but we don't use volunteers generally within our clinical practice um, for confidentiality reasons. Mm -hmm. um, we do need sometimes volunteers to help with our club, uh, which is on Friday afternoons from 3.30 to 5.30, but we really prefer our volunteers to be 18 years and older mm -hmm. um, so that you know we really know that they're older than the kids and, right. and that they have some leadership. Um, but you can find us. You can go to our website, which is www animal assisted therapy services ct for Connecticut dot org um, you can email me chris c h r i s dot patella p as in peter a t as in thomas e l l a at a a t s c t dot org or you can call us 203 804 5343 Thank you so much. You are so welcome. It's been a pleasure. I think what you do is amazing, and you are truly helping so many people. Thank you. Thank you. Twenty twenty is here, listeners. Back in December, I hosted a goal-setting workshop called Vision Twenty Twenty. The event was such a success, I decided to host the event again this month. If you missed December's Vision Twenty Twenty, don't fret. You can join me on Tuesday, January 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. at Bohemian High in Milford. At Vision 2020, you will be introduced and brought through a detailed goal-setting guide to assist you in creating a perfect goal for you. Your goal will be packed with action steps and tools to overcome obstacles and fears. Because what you see is what you think about, we will end our session with vision board making. To learn more about this event, you can visit my website at amyabraham.com backslash events. Vision 2020, January 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. at Bohemian High in Milford. Be sure to tell your friends about it and invite them too. Welcome to the Bliss Podcast, Jesse. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy that you agreed to this interview. It's a little bit... Um, you know, different that I'm intervie interviewing you about your dog, but <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. So before we begin talking about Brady, let's explore what your experiences with, with pets were like before you had Brady. So my family always had dogs. Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't just have dogs. We had, we actually had cats. Oh, we wow. Had <laughs> an iguana. We had uh, bunnies. Oh. We have had lots of pets growing up. Um, I think that it was just kind of one of those things, you know, we just were animal people. Yeah. Um, I'm originally from Marietta, Georgia, so I don't know if it was just, you know, we had a huge backyard and we just had pets yeah. running around. Might have um, been easier. Yeah. 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 And then Brian, I mean, I could speak about Brian. Like, we didn't have any pets growing up. Well, we had fish, but we didn't ever have, like, a cat or a dog or anything. So when you first told us that you guys were getting a dog, we were like, Brian, like you're going to get a dog. He's like, yeah, we're going to do it. <laughs> so how did you convince him? Um, I mean, I think, you know, both him and I, we were just wanting to, a dog for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we had been dating for three and a half, four years and 
we just figured, you know, this is a solid relationship. Let's move it to the next level. Yeah. We're not ready for a baby yet, <laughs> but you know, we're ready for a dog. Yeah. And, um, it's so funny because I had always wanted, uh, a Visla dog and, oh. um, Visla dogs are runners. They have very high energy. Um, and Brian actually was the one who convinced me to get a golden retriever. Oh. Um, they're a little bit more relaxed, a little bit calmer. They still need to get out their exercise, but not mm-hmm. nearly as much. So, I, you know, it was funny how he, you know, I was the one who was convincing him, but then he ended up convincing me to get a golden retriever. And oh. I think, you know, I might be biased, but a golden retriever, they're known as the family dogs. Yeah. The calm and relaxing dogs. So And they're fluffy and they're cute. Oh, and they're, they're so just... cute. Especially <laughs> when they're puppies. Oh my gosh. I know. When you guys first brought Brady home, I ran outside. I'm like, I can't wait to see him. I held him. You like put him right in my arms and I didn't know what to do. I never held a puppy before. I was afraid he's gonna pee on me. But it was <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very cute when I first saw him. He was adorable. Yeah. So before you guys decided you know, before you actually brought Brady home, were there some things, some things you had to straighten out or, or some obstacles you had to overcome? Yeah. So, you know, we had to puppy proof our apartment, mm-hmm. um, you know, just because you don't want the puppy getting into, into the medicine cabinet. You don't want the puppy getting into your cleaning products. Right. Um, you know, we had to get a little baby gate so that we could watch <laughs> him and confine him in a little closer area. Yeah. Um, we live in an apartment, so that was probably the biggest obstacle was mm-hmm. just to, um, make sure that we were ready to get a dog and, and plus, like you said, golden retrievers that they, they need a lot of space to run and move. You wanted to make sure that he had enough space. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was the most difficult thing. And even, you know, we still live in the apartment today. He's mm-hmm. a, a year and a half now and, um, it is, it's difficult, but you know, we, we found ways we live right downtown. Mm-hmm. There's a baseball field that we take him to and tennis courts that we take him to and, he gets out, he runs, he gets his exercise, and then he's good to go. Right. And um, thinking about letting him have exercise, I know you guys always go to our parents' house, and they have, we have a big backyard at, at, you know, Brian and I's parents' house, and you guys always bring him over there, and he's able to run around there too, which is nice. Yeah, and I think it's nice because, you know, we get to visit your family. Right. Uh, you know, every time that we go over there. So it's nice to have a place to go to mm-hmm. who has a fenced in backyard and, you know, not let alone it be your family. So we get to visit with your family a lot. And, right. Um, I know. I'm sure my mom loves that. Yeah. She's always like, Brian and Jesse are here with Brady. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I want to come over. Yeah. So let's talk about how Brady has changed um, your relationship with Brian. So I think at at the very beginning of the puppy stages, you know, when he was eight weeks old, it was, it was hard. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, puppies are exactly like babies. You know, they have to be taken out every hour. Um, you know, they have to be fed three times a day. Right. Um, you know, they pee and they poop a lot, just <laughs> like a baby. Um, so it, it was very hard and difficult at first. And, you know, living in our apartment yeah. and going up and down those stairs a hundred times a day. Um, it was hard. You guys probably have gotten really fit from going yeah, up and that down. Yeah, summer I had, like, the best legs Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh, from going up and down the stairs. And we would carry him, too, because yeah. he was just so small. And, you know, going up and down the stairs 
we felt bad. We felt like it was, you know, going to be hard on his joints <laughs> or something. I don't know. So You just um, wanted to cuddle him. Yeah, we just <laughs> pick him up all you can because yeah. now he's 80 pounds and oh yeah, I can't gosh. pick him up anymore. I know. So, but, you know, but Brian and I definitely grew closer in getting this puppy because, you know, we would take shifts in the middle of the night, you know, whenever mm-hmm. he was, you know, whining to go out to go to the bathroom every two hours. You know, if I woke up at 2 a.m. and took him out at 2 a.m. at 4 a.m., Brian would wake up and he would take him out. So it was great that we could, you know, really work together and build our relationship to be, you know, so much stronger. Mm -hmm. And thinking about why I chose you to, you know, why I thought of this idea was because I feel like Brady has changed our family in such a positive way. Like I said, we didn't grow up with pets besides fish, but we didn't have any kind of animal in our house that, brought us together like I see you know when Brady when we go over and Brady's there for Christmas or holidays we're always like oh where's Brady let's you know like I think that having you in our family and bringing Brady into our family has been really positive for us I mean because my mom I'll tell you why we didn't really ever have a pet because my mom didn't want to worry about what you're saying you know going to the bathroom the dog hair and you know accidents inside the house she just you know they didn't want to they didn't want to deal with that. Yeah. So we never really asked for a dog because that's, we knew what the answer was. Yeah. But now who's taking care of Brady? <laughs> Your mom. Yeah. So yeah, like, no, she like, loves him. I definitely think that getting a dog changes your life for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and every dog has different personality traits that, you know, make us crack up and, you know, we're yeah. bent over laughing <laughs> because Brady's doing something that's hilarious. So, you know, I, I think it, I think, you know, I, getting a dog, I think, can only really enhance your life. If you're a dog person, you could right. be a cat person, you could be a fish person, you could be a hamster person, a bunny, right? Yeah, you know, little bunnies, something. yeah. And being able to connect and and to hold the animal and having that closeness is yeah. really important for the emotional development for anybody, babies and right. oh and my adults. Gosh. You yeah. Know, after a long hard day of of work, you know, you come home, you're exhausted, and who's there at the front door wagging his tail, right? right? You know, it's not Brian. <laughs> um, it, was, it would be Brady. And he's yeah. just so excited and just so happy um, to see you. And, you know, it just takes all that stress and that, you know, everything else just kind of away. And you're like, oh, look at this. Right? Yeah. He's just so cute. He is so cute. <laughs> and Brady has a very, very strong following on Instagram. And I'm one of his followers. Yeah. And I see that you guys almost every day are outside with him um, exercising and playing and having fun or hiking. Did you want to talk about that a little bit, about being outside? Yeah, so, you know, Brian and I were active people um, before we got Brady. Mm. We would go out and play tennis and, you know, we would go for a walk. Um, But after we got Brady, it was like it just took it to a different level. Mm. You know, dogs have to be outside. They have to run and play. Um, at least some point during the day. So I really think that it was, um, it just got taken up to the next level. You know, we started going to new places. We started exploring, you know, this lake or that beach or this hiking trail. Mm -hmm. Um, And just seeing Brady out in his element, you know, chasing after squirrels or chasing a bird on the beach. (laughs) It's just, it makes you so happy to see a dog that happy. Yeah. So, yeah, we've definitely, you know, we've, We've gone to, to so many different places because of him right? You know, and experienced new things because of him. Yeah. And thinking about at home when you guys are just hanging out, you know, on the couch and I see 
um, you know, him just like sitting with you guys and snuggling and I just smile. I mean, I, (laughs) I'm probably one of the, I'm becoming one of those people where like, I don't have a dog, but I'm like following all the dog Instagrams and the cat Instagrams because they do make me smile. And that's why I'm like, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about how animals support human emotional development and how it helps people for sure yeah and I think that's why we started his Instagram account Mm -hmm. um was just because I thought that he was so cute and I was like (laughs) oh my gosh well people are gonna think he's so cute too but then like I said he developed this personality and I was just like I have to share this with the world yeah he's so funny you know his little stuff that he does during the day (laughs) he's just he's hilarious so people will actually message me um you know, and they'll say, oh my gosh, you know, he's just so cute. He makes my day. Right. So I'm like, you know, fantastic. I'm so glad that, you know, the silly little things that Brady does can not only make, you know, our family happy, but it can make other people actually around the world happy. I've gotten Mm -hmm. uh, messages from people from Brazil, um, from Portugal saying, we love him so much. Never stop posting him. He's so cute. Thank you for, you know, sharing him with us. So it is, it's really, you know, I'm glad that I created that Instagram account um, (laughs) to kind of share him with others. Do you want to tell us about that Instagram? What's the name? Yeah, so if you wanted to uh, follow, his Instagram handle is BradyTheGoldenBoy12. And why is he named Brady? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think, is it the Golden Boy? Is it the Golden Boy? We'll get back to that. So while you are looking that up. <laughs> it is. It's Brady the Golden Boy 12. Okay, good. Okay, all right. Um, and why is he named Brady? Oh, gosh. Well, your brother is a huge <laughs> Pats fan. So, yeah. Um, so he picked the dog and named him. Yeah. Look at yeah, that. He got to take over. <laughs> yeah, but, but Brady is a mama's boy. Yeah, let's he not is. Get that, let's not get that twisted. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your time and sharing Brady with the world and I hope listeners if you are on the fence about buying a pet or adopting a pet I hope this podcast has influenced your decision to make you know get over overcome those obstacles and try to make it work if you think it's something that will fit in your life because I have even experienced this new joy within the past year and a half of having Brady in my life and I don't even live with him and he brings me so much joy yeah yeah I definitely say do it if anybody wants to connect with you they can dm you on on Brady's on Brady's account yep and you can answer any questions that people might have or concerns or Or even you know we've gotten messages you know about where we got them from or um you know there's other rescue um places that you know I'm in contact with as well if you were wanting to rescue a golden retriever um you can definitely contact me and um, I can send you the right way great I'm sure people will be appreciative of that If you have any questions or would like to connect with me, visit my website at amyabraham.com. You can email me at amyabrahambliss at gmail.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at amy2 underscores Abraham. And while you're there, use the hashtag amyabrahambliss when you are posting about things you learn from bliss. And if you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you.